This is episode number 28 of the Polyglot Developer Podcast, and I'm your host, Nick Raboy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. The topic of this episode is around code schools or coding boot camps and how they might be beneficial towards your actual developer journey um, when it comes to finding a job and securing the career that you're hopefully going to take for the rest of your life. Not only are we going to be looking at what exactly code schools are and how they can benefit you, but how they might differ from traditional computer science degrees that you would obtain from, say, a four-year uh, or eight-year, or however many long-year university, uh, so so something like a bachelor's degree or master's degree or PhD. In this episode, I'm joined by Ben Nelson, the founder of Lambda School, which is a coding boot camp. But not only is he the founder of this particular coding boot camp, but he's actually attended and graduated from a coding boot camp other than his own school, as well as taken some participation in a traditional four-year degree program. With that said, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, I'm with Ben Nelson, and we're going to be talking about coding boot camps versus traditional computer science or similar degrees. But before we get into the core uh, theme of this particular episode, I want to give Ben a chance to introduce himself. So how are you doing, Ben? Hi, Nick. Uh, glad to be on. Uh, yeah, so I'm a co-founder of Lambda School, which is uh, it's it's in the coding bootcamp space. It's an online uh, computer science program. It's nine months long, and uh, yeah, some of the unique features of our school are one: we use a, an income share agreement, so our students they don't pay any tuition until they get a job making at least fifty thousand dollars a year. And um, you know, there's a bunch of uh, different flexible like like uh, protective mechanisms built in place that, that essentially makes it like a just like a really a forgiving type of a student loan. So the students, they don't make payments unless they're employed. Um, they don't make a payment unless they actually get a job and unless their salary is above a certain threshold. And then, then they pay 17% of their salary for two years um, unless they hit a cap. There's a $30,000 payment cap. So the most that a student could ever pay is $30,000. Um, if they lose employment at any point, uh, their payments pause. And, um, and so really the idea is that you would try to more closely align the incentives of the school with the student and uh, it makes it, um, yeah, le much less risky for the students. So, so we have that, and then we're live and online. So, when you think of an online school, a lot of people they kind of think of like MOOCs or you know Udemy, Udacity type, you know, bite-sized courses maybe that are self-paced. Um, so we are live. It's 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 a you know nine to six, five days a week for nine months type of experience where you're where you're live and on video calls all day. You know, working with instructors and TAs and your peers and you know and coding just hands-on. Um, yeah, learning to code for nine months. It's an it's a very intense experience. Um, most of our students tell us it's it's one of the hardest, if not the hardest, thing they've ever done. And uh, yeah, that's 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 Lambda School in a nutshell. So I do want to get more involved with Lambda School in specific as we progress through this episode, um, but not yet. I want to I want to kind of start from the beginning first. But um, other other than outside of Lambda School, what what do you do or enjoy? Yeah, so I um, well, I live in Pleasanton, California, with my wife and three kids. So that's that's a lot of my a lot of my free time. Uh, but yeah, I love to love to cook, love to read, and uh, yeah, just uh, uh, love to work. <laughs> 
And I believe you had a, a very interesting background um, regarding be- why you even started Lambda School, right? Um, you, you, I assume you were part of a traditional computer science program, right? Yeah. So I was, um, so I was in Utah going to BYU, uh, Provo, Utah, and I was uh, studying computer science and um, I had switched majors a couple times. Uh, I mean, I started out in neuroscience, switched to English and, uh, uh, you know, with the idea of maybe getting an MBA, but then I, then I switched to computer science finally. And, uh, and yeah, and, and, and I, you know, I'd always been a little hesitant around, you know, studying computer science, you know, there's kind of that, a little bit of a, you know, like the cultural stereotypes around it, you know, the, you know, the geeks that are at their desks all day and, and, uh, you know, and if, you know, there's kind of a little bit of a, uh, yeah, like kind of that social bias against it a little bit. And so, um, but then, I don't know, once I've made the realization that pretty much every white collar job nowadays, you're sitting at a computer all day, um, you know, I thought like, hey, that might be a really cool thing to, to get into. And I always loved computers, liked video games. And um, yeah, so I took a class at school and, and loved it. Um, it was it was hard. And, and I think I was really fortunate to have an adjunct professor um, that was he was like the VP of engineering for, you know, for Goldman Sachs out of out of um, out of their Utah um uh, office and uh anyway just to, it, it was it was someone who was coming from the professional world that had a lot of real world experience and he was great and laid back cared more about learning than the grade and so the, the structure of the class which is typically like a weeder class at, at byu where they're trying to you know it's, it's extremely difficult and you know most of the students you know don't get a good grade and they end up hating computer science and they don't go and study it after and i had this really laid back teacher that just you know, had a lot of passion for the subject and, and worked professionally and wasn't an academic and, and, uh, anyway, had a really great experience. And so then I decided to switch my major to computer science. And, and over the summer, um, I, one of my best friends had done a coding boot camp. Uh, he was a friend of mine at BYU and, and, uh, he did a coding boot camp called Dev Mountain out of Utah that, um, when they were getting started, they just had these, uh, evening classes like so the idea is for like you know working professionals they could go and you know pick up some coding skills in the evening and and so i decided to do that over the summer uh to figured it would give me a leg up in the cs program and maybe i could start writing some code on the side and make some money while i'm going to school and finishing my degree and so i went and did that over the summer and and uh you know, uh, you know, it was a, it was a newer program, but had a great experience and, uh, you know, met some, met some good people, the, the, the founders of Podium out of Utah, another, another hot startup there uh, were in my class. And, um, uh, anyway, one of my instructors, uh, he had gone to this full-time immersive coding boot camp called Hack Reactor that was in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, just the, you know, the number of hours that the Hack Reactor students were putting in relative to Dead Mountain's part-time program, it was, you know, three or four times the number of hours over the three-month period. And and then I decided, uh, kind of crazy in hindsight, but I, but I decided to take a semester off and go to San Francisco and, and go to Hack Reactor and, you know, see if this would, you know, maybe there was a faster way I could kind of, you know, shortcut, you know, kind of a shortcut to a job. And, um, and so my, my wife was pregnant at the time and, and the school cost a lot and I had to move to San Francisco and, and, uh, just, I, I'm, I'm totally shocked that I had the risk tolerance to even attempt that. Um, but I did and, and, you know, went through the program. It was fabulous and learned a lot, came back to, uh, came back to, uh, uh, I just had a phone call come up, uh, came back to, to Utah and decided that, okay, I'll, I'll apply for a job, see if I can get a job as, as a developer. And if I can, then I'll, you know, work on my degree on the side. And, um, you know, and if not, I'll just go back and finish my CS degree. And, um, 
anyway, I just was able to get a job at a startup and, and, uh, uh, you know, a decent salary. And, and so I ended up just putting my education on hold at that point. And, and every time I would go back to, uh, you know, to register for classes, to, you know, to start chipping away at classes on the side, it just, it, the opportunity cost was always so high. Um, you know, BYU's tuition was very cheap, you know, compared to how good of a school it is. And, and so, so financially, the cost wasn't that, wasn't that terrible. It was, it was just the opportunity cost, the idea of like, okay, if I'm going to spend, you know, a couple thousand bucks on tuition and, and all of this time working on homework, you know, what if I took that time and spent that, you know, trying to start a business on the side, or if I tried to, you know, spend that time coding or teaching coding or, or, you know, what are some things that I could do to, you know, develop my skills even you know at an even faster rate and it just it has never made sense to go back to that rigid structured um environment that had a you know very very long you know time horizon towards you know you know uh, for when i would complete it and so i ended up dropping out so i didn't finish my degree and uh and yeah and so that's so, so i had that you know experience going through those boot camps and it you know and it worked out really well for me and um and you know, was able to get a good job. And my my next job was it was a remote position, and and uh, and uh, I was also teaching at, at Dev Mountain in the evenings on the side after a couple of years of you know work experience. And my back was uh, helping out there, and and uh, yeah, and then that led into led into Lambda School. Awesome, yeah. No, that's that's a pretty pretty interesting story, and I, I do want to brush into more on it uh, on certain things that you said in a second, but. Um, when it comes to these coding schools, I, I hear a lot of names thrown around. I hear like coding boot camps, hack schools, code schools. Are they all the same thing or, or do they yeah. actually represent different things? Yeah, I mean, it's all the same thing. And it's it's this crazy industry. It's I mean, it, it you know, the, this whole industry exists because of like the, you know, the inelasticity or, you know, just, or, you know, universities, it's, you know, it's. The, the demand for developers has just exploded and, you know, in many universities, there's this, you know, they're, they're slower to adapt and it's, you know, and they have this, you know, it's this four-year program and many of them, you know, for the sake of prestige, you know, they, you know, weed a lot of people out. And so just, there, there isn't a lot of, like the, like the output hasn't been able, from universities hasn't been able to keep up. And so there's been this huge need for more developers and a huge need from the student side for people that want to pick up the skills. And, and so, yeah, it's this like this wild west, this industry that has appeared where you have all these different, you know, private uh, for-profit educational institutions that have popped up. Um, you know, most of them are three months long. Um, you know, you can kind of call them all coding boot camps, but, you know, a lot of them have little, you know, some are mobile development focused. Most of them are web development focused and most of them teach JavaScript and, um, you know, there's, there's, there's different flavors of it and the quality is all, all across the spectrum. You know, there's a couple that are really good and, and, you know, a lot of just like really mediocre ones. And, and there's some that are just, you know, downright like scams and, and, um, you know, so it's, it's this, unregulated wild west kind of a territory um you know with coding boot camps and uh uh yeah and so that's something that uh it's you know some companies love to hire coding boot camp graduates and some of them you know just have strict policies against it and, and it's because you can really get a mixed bag and it and just the it really depends on the on the specific school and, and there's a handful that do a really good job and um, but there's a lot that that uh that, that don't to, to so want. so then what what determines if a coding boot camp is of quality or not? Is it the material or is it say, you know what, 
these three guys from Google went and started their code school. Oh, they're from Google. It must be good kind of thing. What, what defines that quality? Yeah. So there's, um, yeah, I mean, uh, clearly, you know, a lot of different pieces that go into it. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, so hack reactor back in the day, I mean, you know, when I was there, uh, really great, um, quality seems to have slipped off a little bit, um, in recent years, but, um, a lot of that was, you know, at Hack Reactor, what I think part of the reason why it was so good is they, um, they, they were able to, they had a bit of a positive selection bias. And so they, they, they were able to get a lot of the best students. And, um, you know, in my cohort, there were, um, you know, there were five or six people that went to Berkeley and, and there were a few Stanford grads. There was someone from Harvard um, and, uh, you know, there was someone who had a PhD in chemistry. Uh, you know, not from those other Ivy League schools. And so there was, it was really a pretty, pretty elite group and, and, um, you know, or just had, they, or they had a lot of, you know, educational achievements, you know, in their past. And so um, everyone, you know, so, so when you're with really strong peers like that, I mean, naturally, you know, you get a you know, really positive experience that forms, but, um, but yeah, you know, in the quality of the education. So with, with Lambda School, one of the big things, so, uh, you know, we looked at the, at the coding bootcamp space and we were thinking, you know, okay, where, where are a lot of these schools falling short? What are the constraints? You know, why are they all three months long? And, it, you know, and really try to look at it from first principles for how we build up the course. And so, um, so some of the key differences, so with Lambda School, we're, we're nine months long. So we're, we're three times the length of a typical coding bootcamp. Um, and, you know, hour for hour, it actually evens up with about two years of college. It's just condensed down into a, to a year. And, um, you know, when we work backwards from hiring partners, you know, looking at, you know, what are the what are the big needs and what do students need to know? So we teach computer science fundamentals. And so, you know, we, we teach C, we teach Python, we teach, you know, in addition to JavaScript and the web track. And so for our core web track, you know, our students, they're also learning, you know, data structures and algorithms and operating systems. They're getting that, you know, a little bit of that traditional CS education, you know, as well as a deep dive into front end and back end development and databases and, and uh, you know, and all those different uh, all the different pieces across the stack. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, you know, when you're looking at, you know, the schools, I mean, the, you know, the quality is, you know, it's determined by the outcomes. Can they get people jobs and, uh, you know, and what kind of students are they, you know, allowing in and, and, uh, you know, what's the strength of that network? So when employers look at, at somebody's educational background and they see that they've attended a, a coding boot camp, Hack Reactor, Lambda School, things like that, do they view it similarly to um, as if you had attended, uh, I know that doesn't exist anymore, but ITT Tech or University of Phoenix or or these other, um, the that terminology is not coming to my mind right now, uh, but, but sim- similar schools or even certification programs, um, are they thought of as different, these, these now new coding boot camps? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's kind of like that. Um, and, uh, you know, so that's, you know, so part of our, our strategy at Lambda School has actually been to try to distance ourselves from the from like the coding bootcamp space a little bit, sure. um, just like with our length and 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 a lot of the a lot of the differences in our in our curriculum and our structure and everything, um, like our instructional design, the way we do things is is pretty different from a typical coding bootcamp, but also very different from a university. And so we're kind of in this like in this middle ground between the two. Um, but yeah, so like, you know, we see that, 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 you know, early on, you know, it was a little harder for our graduates to, to get interviews because, you know, 
they would see Lambda School and think, okay, like, you know, typical coding boot camp, and they would kind of, uh, there will be some stigma around that. You know, not every company is different, but, but, sure. but yeah, absolutely some stigma around that, that, okay, you didn't take the traditional route, you didn't do calculus in college or, you know, or, or um, yeah, or just, you know, little like, you know, the, the, the hiring managers would be a little leery around, you know, what can this person actually do? And, and uh, because, yeah, cause there, you know, there, there is no accreditation around that. And, and, you know, and even with accredited universities, it's such a mixed bag of the outcomes, you know, and accreditation yeah. is no guarantee of, you know, of coding ability. And, and, and that's why with Lambda School, we started with, with software engineering in the first place. Um, you know, really, we see our school as, you know, or our company, uh, you know, the purpose of our company is to, um, you know, fill unmet demands in, you know, in the labor market, you know, and, and you know, and, and, and take someone from, you know, where they're at and, and move them into a better career. And then, you know, and then we just, you know, take a piece of their, you know, a piece of that profit, you know, for a short period. Um, and so we, we started with computer science and, you know, and information technology because, it's this industry is a little more open-minded towards people that come from, you know, non-traditional educational backgrounds. You know, everybody knows developers that, you know, didn't go to a university and, you know, or they were self-taught or, you know, or just they, you know, messed around on their parents' computer and, you know, figured out how to do everything. And, you know, and, and we all know dozens of people that are like that. And, um, you know, or just, you know, you've heard lots of stories and, and so it, it's so this type of a model can it can take hold here and it can work and you know and we see our students that are able to you know they're able to break in and we're able to make headway and um you know but it is something that you know rather than relying on accreditation or you know or things like that or bestowing a degree you know it has to be on the strength of our brand and you know and we have to demonstrate to hiring managers and partners that you know that our graduates are excellent that they can you know come in and contribute and you know and they have strong portfolios of um you know where they've, you know, used the relevant skills that are out there and that they've worked with teams and, and, uh, you know, and that they've had all those key pieces that, um, you know, that, I, I mean, honestly, many universities don't even teach, you know, it's, you know, it's hard for universities, you know, with, with faculty that aren't in the workforce to really keep their curriculum, you know, relevant, not everyone, you know, there's obviously great ones, but, you know, but, but a lot of like, you know, mid-tier universities and lower, you know, it's, it's, it's really a mixed bag what you're going to get from their CS program. I, I do agree with you on that. I, I do have a traditional computer science degree and entering the workforce, I had very few skills uh, that were relevant. I mean, I had that, that strong backbone of, of, of computer science in general, but as far as, as modern kind of, well, how do I use this database and this JavaScript application kind of thing? I didn't have that, um, but I had the skills to go learn it afterwards kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, and that's what the university degree means. I mean, it means that yeah. you, know, you you have, you know, the intelligence and the work ethic to, to, you know, make it through calculus and make it through the tough, you know, CS, you know, curriculum. And so they know that you can come in and pick it up and learn and, and you know, that you'll be able to contribute effectively at some point. Sure. So I, I have a question now. So you said Lambda School is a nine month program, correct? Yes. And you said that your Hacked Reactor uh, program was about three months? Yes. Yeah, three months. So can people really learn how to code during such that 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 short amount of time because for example i i know people i even have family members who are in computer science programs and they're in mm -hmm. their second year in the program and they still know hardly anything they they have trouble grasping a for loop yeah um, so it it raises the question can people i mean if if they're on their two year stint right now what what are they getting out of 9 months 
Yeah. So part of it is like the the differences in instructional design. So so the something that we do that's is very different from like a university setting that just works extremely well is it's it's this intense focus on a single subject. So, you know, where you're, you know, all day, every day, you were totally immersed in this, in this new material. It's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you're to learn another, like a foreign language, you know, sure. it, it's going and living in the country and, you know, stopping, like you refuse to speak English and you're speaking, you know, like, so I, I lived in Taiwan and spoke Mandarin. And, and so it's like moving to Taiwan and speaking Mandarin and living with Chinese people and doing that every single day, all day, you know, for nine months versus, you know, taking classes in Chinese at your college, you know, for two years. And like, and, and that's a little bit of a, a little different than, you know, than how this is, but like, that's, it, it's kind of that analogy, like, I, or like, you know, we, we immerse the students, you know, in, in practical programming, you know, environments. And we, and we do that, for, you know, right from the start. And so um, another key piece is that we have pre-course work. So, no student can start our program unless they have achieved like a basic proficiency in programming. So you talked about like, you know, you know, like some people that are in there, you know, like, you know, two years in, maybe they're not as familiar with like a for loop. Um, so like with Lambda school specifically, our students, they need to be comfortable with, with, uh, you know, loops and functions and um, I mean, you know, variables, if statements, you know, conditional, all, all that kind of stuff, um, you know, in the, the core language of whatever program they're going into. So for web, it's JavaScript. And, um, and so they have to be comfortable with that and pass an entrance exam before we even let them in. And so, so from day one, they've, you know, they've already worked through this, this pre-course work that's equivalent to around, it, it, it's about like the first semester of programming that you would take in college. Uh, maybe a little less intense just because like, I know like at BYU, it was like all in C++ that we did it, you know, and, and that was a little more challenging, but, you know, so like with JavaScript, that's a little easier, uh, quite a bit easier to pick up. Um, and then, you know, and then, and then just all day, every day they're, they're, they're building things, which is, it's, it's, more fun. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's easier to learn when you're, when you're building things and, and also when you're starting top down. So, so we start from, you know, JavaScript, HTML, and CSS. And, you know, and before we're doing any data structures or or algorithms or any of that stuff, which, which is often your first or second class in college, you know, our students don't do that till the end. And in the very beginning, they're, they're doing things that are more playful, that are more creative. And, and, you know, and then by the time they get to data structures and algorithms, they, they, they have a lot of comfort with those easier topics. So it's like this, this top down approach versus, you know, many universities that are, that are bottom up, you know, start with calculus and start with, you know, C plus plus or C or something like that. And, you know, and again, like these are broad strokes that I'm painting and every university is a little different, but, um, but, but broadly, like those are some of the main differences. Uh, another key one is that with, with our program, we use what's called a, a mastery based progression. And if you've looked into like the Khan Academy at all, um, this this is a, a key component of what of what Khan Academy does, and and we kind of get, consider ourselves to an extent like disciples of, of of Salman Khan and a lot of his ideas around educational design and pedagogy. But, um, and, but yeah, so like with our students when they're working through the course, if they don't get a high ass- assessment score each week, then we have them redo that curriculum, and so they they redo the week. And the idea is that. These students are coming in and they're all in different levels and backgrounds. You know, we have we've had students that have PhDs in computer science that want to get up to speed on, you know, on, you know, the modern skill sets. And and, you know, and then we have students that have been working in warehouses and some that are just recent high school graduates. And so it's they're all coming from very different backgrounds. And so it's 
you know, it's kind of like, like we're all climbing a mountain and, you know, and, and, you know, and if you think, if you imagine like, you know, getting a group of people together, you know, that, you know, from your school or, you know, or from your company and you're all going to go climb a mountain, you know, everybody's going to reach the top at a different pace and, or at a different time, people will go at a different pace and, you know, and some people will, you know, need a lot more preparation and help than others. And, and, uh, you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter when we reach the top of the mountain, it's, you know, we just need to get there. We just need to get all the students to the top of the mountain. And so for some, they have to go at a slower pace and we have to, you know, have them repeat a couple of weeks and, um, but but what that does is it makes it so the student doesn't get this this these Swiss cheese holes and you know and they're learning they don't have this Swiss cheese learning all these holes that that um, get baked in and then built on and then later the foundation crumbles because they you know because they they you know never quite understood you know some key thing about functions or something like that you know and then that just sticks with them and you know and, and creates all these problems later on and and so you know so we, they really have to get each week right to, to to move on and so the course is nine months but. Um, you know, it's it, it typically takes students, a, you know, a, a few weeks longer than that to make it through because they have to repeat, you know, a couple of weeks. But, um, you know, but by the end of that, you know, they've been totally immersed in this program. They've been building things, um, you know, 50, 60 hour weeks and, uh, you know, taking this, you know, this playful approach that's top down. Um, and, you know, and then they're using, you know, modern skills. And so it's, you know, the, the stuff that are doing is, you know, we we build the curriculum by working with, you know, the CTOs and, and the hiring managers of companies that, that are in our hiring network. And so they're using the skills that are in demand. And so they're developing this, this rich depth and, and understanding of the material that's, that's based on the stuff that actually makes it so they can contribute from day one without a significant onboarding time. And, and yeah, and, you know, and they don't, they don't know calculus and, you know, and they, and, uh, you know, and they haven't spent as much time, you know, you know, like, you know, getting into machine language or, you know, or operating system, things like that, you know, they do some of that, um, you know, and they do know, you know, some C and, and we do have enough of that to give them some, you know, some depth there. But, uh, you know, but, but really the appeal is that we do a deep dive into practical, you know, practical skills that are needed. And we focus on modern instructional design philosophies that, that the data has really shown are, are, are superior to many of the many of the methods that are out there that we've been using for, you know, for decades and centuries. Yeah, that's an interesting approach. And I actually, I like what you said about this top-down stuff that you're doing, um, because as somebody who completed the, the computer science program, man, you, you feel beat up um, those, those first two semesters. And you, a lot of people, they just lose the motivation to continue with the program. But if they're actually doing kind of like the fun stuff or seeing results and then worrying about all that craziness at the end, I mean, I could I can only assume that it's only going to bring good things, right? Yeah, well, and they end up they end up enjoying the the crazy stuff later on because it's they they see the use of it now, and uh, you know, and 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 many of them, it's you know, we start teaching the concepts and and uh, you know, and it, and it resonates with what they've already been learning, like you know, like you know, stacks and queues and and hash tables and you know, and then you know, and we start teaching that, and they're like, oh, like that's just arrays and objects, like in JavaScript, I've used those types of structures with React and Redux, like that, like that all makes sense, like I've been using those those patterns already, and and it's yeah, and so it's yeah, I it it works so much better for our students to approach it that way, and that's something that I wish I wish universities would do differently. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, in regards to the other coding boot camps, though, I mean, you're you're lucky enough to have have a, a participated in another one, Hack Reactor. Um, is this the similar strategy that you see at at these coding boot camps to make the students successful? Yeah. So the the ones that are good um, follow some of those key pieces. Um, 
None that I'm aware of use things like mastery-based progression, um, but a lot of them usually start with, I mean, the the one the coding boot camps that are good they, they do a good job you know they are practically like they focus on the practical it's you know they usually have a very strict admissions process um so that way you know they they you know the people that do get in they can really put their brand behind them and bank on them um you know kind of like, like like with hack reactor hack reactor had that you know that that, that positive selection bias that worked really well for them um and uh, you know, just they, they get great students that are coming in, and so it's easier to get good outcomes. And and um, you know, and so it's yeah. So like a typical coding bootcamp, it's like six weeks of you know programming for you know all day every day. You're doing you know interview. You're practicing interview questions every single day, so you're you're getting good at just like those you know like little bite size like whiteboarding you know coding problems that you you know you always have to do in interviews and and then the last six weeks you know they they work on projects and that's really where you you know you synthesize the data um and so that's that's the typical approach and and i, th I think there are very few boot camps that that stray much from that model um but yeah that's kind of the that's kind of the kind of yeah really the really the, the common structure that you see now do all of or i guess from your experience do most or all of these boot camps have an algorithm section as part of their curriculum so uh the the good ones will teach it a little bit in in javascript hack reactor was good at it um they taught quite a bit um you know it was it was all with all with javascript um you know and they they didn't really teach any other languages beyond that but or not at all but yeah so like hack reactor did have a good amount of you know data structures and algorithms and um and uh you know and some of the other good ones they they do do a bit of that um and then they just you know and they teach it through the lens or the you know or the the uh, you know the primary language that they're teaching in the course so so this kind of raises my next question so every job interview that i've ever had has had algorithms-based questions as awful as they are they yep. <laughs> always included algorithms questions yeah um and i again i spent a whole semester on algorithms uh, at least if not more mm -hmm. uh, the the i guess the skills that that your students or the students of these other uh, boot camps that they pick up in such a short amount of time will are they truly able to to get past these algorithms questions in these interviews is it enough yeah, I mean, if you, it's, you know, not, not, not all the schools, uh, the good ones. Yeah. The students come out and they've been practicing, you know, all the different co common, you know, the, co like, I mean, it's like the cr cracking the code interview book. If you've, you know, if you've, if you've heard of that, but um, you know, like, the, it, you know, listing all of the common, you know, data structures and the common algorithms and, you know, searching and sorting and, um, and yeah, and those are, you know, the, it's uh, you have to study a lot. And, you know, so for me, speaking to my experience going through Hack Reactor, yeah, every morning we would have, you know, some coding challenge that would touch on, you know, one algorithm or, you know, whether it was like a sorting or searching one or, or, or one of the data structures. And, um, and yeah, and by the end of it, you know, you have to feel comfortable, uh, you know, implementing it. But yeah, it's, you know, it does, uh, you know, you can do it and, uh, you know, it is hard. And, um, but yeah, when you're immersed in it, doing that every single day, all day, every day, um, you know, you really pick it up at a, at an accelerated rate. And so, yeah, you actually, you actually can see, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like the, the, the boot camp industry, the, you know, the good schools are really good at producing just 
fantastic beginners, you know, people that can come in and have a lot of, you know, motivation and excitement for the work. And, uh, you know, and they have been coached a lot, you know, towards the, you know, towards the interview. Um, that doesn't mean that they're a bad developer, though. Um, it's, you know, but but they have been trained in a way that, uh, you know, that they, uh, you know, can do well and perform in the interviews. And, and uh, you know, and, uh, you know, and that's a bigger debate, whether or not that that relates to, you know, how well, uh, doing an algorithm in an interview relates to how you're going to do in the, in the job. But, um, but yeah, it, it is something that you can pick up The good schools, um, you know, can do a pretty good job of that. Awesome. Um, so you mentioned a little bit on the, on the cost. So you, you said that, uh, Lambda school, uh, you don't pay anything until you get your job. And then I think you said, what is it? 50,000 or, or you, that's when you have to pay, right? Yeah. So it's, they can pay $20,000 up front for the nine month program, or they pay back 17% of their salary once they're employed, making at least 50K. So if somebody gets employed and they're in an internship or something and they're, you know, making 40K or, you know, or something like that, like they're not going to start making payments yet. And really sure. we, we wanted to make it so that way no students are paying tuition unless the education worked for them and they're in a good job. And and that was really the the end goal with, you know, with how we approach that. And and uh, yeah, income share agreements are used, you know, in other countries and, you know, and they're, they haven't really caught on as much in the, um, in the U.S. and they're you know, relatively unregulated at this point. Um, but yeah, it's uh, like, like unregulated in the sense of like there, there isn't, they haven't been explicitly like, like, you know, blessed or, or criticized at the government, you know, at the federal level, um, you know, and that's something that, you know, that, that Congress is actively, you know, working on right now, actually, you know, some legislation around that and, you know, and what that space is going to look like, because it's becoming an increasingly attractive option for financing education, just with, you know, all of the, you know, the, 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 the negative energy directed towards, uh, you know, student loan debt and, you know, and, and, and all those issues and, you know, and that crisis that's going on. Um, you know, there's a lot of universities, you know, that are looking at income share agreements sure. uh, and it's becoming an increasingly uh, attractive way to finance education. Now, I know that not all boot camps have the same luxury that, that Lambda school offers when it comes to financing. And I know that they, at least at least I'm assuming based on what I hear, uh, it's not cheap. It, it's, it's a huge financial burden to get into these schools. Uh, is, is that the yeah. case? Is that a reality? Yeah. I mean, and that's, and, you know, and that ties into why a lot of these boot camps are three months long, uh, because they're constrained by what the student can pay up front. And so the, the length of the program is, is dictated in many cases by, you know, what can the student afford to pay rather than what isn't necessarily ideal for the student. Um, and yeah, we, you know, yeah. And so, uh, you know, a lot of these boot camps, you know, 10,000, if, you know, for the three month program is like a cheaper program, um, you know, and, and many of them in the Bay area are 18,000, um, yeah. 19,000 around there. And so, yeah, it's a lot. And, and a lot of people take debt, you know, to go and do it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, kind of, kind of scary out there. If you, you know, if you have family or friends that are going to ones that aren't one of the good ones, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of death, a lot of, a, a lot of debt and risk that they're taking on, um, interesting Freudian slip there, um, but a lot of debt and risk that they're taking on to go and, uh, uh, you know, you know, pursue those, you know, those, those promises and dreams that are being sold to them. And it's, uh, you know, it's something you have to be really careful of. 
at these Cody boot camps, do they offer their own type of financing program or do student loans cover this? I don't think they do, right? No, so not not federal student loans, but there are some third party, you know, like financial institutions that have independently come in um, that, that offer those types of loans for boot camps. Um, but it's, uh, you know, a lot of it is like, a, you know, experimental funding to see what type of, you know, you know, it's, it, you know, because it's an, it's a newer field and so there's you know there's still this you know experimentation seeing what types of returns can you know can really be gained from you know lending in that regard um but yeah you can't use like federal student loans and, and you can't um you know you can't use those funding sources because they're you know they're non-accredited and just you know these private for-profit schools sure uh no that makes sense uh now let's get into the more of like post code school um kind of thing so i mean um, what, uh, I guess kind of time frame does it usually take for somebody to graduate from a code school and then find some kind of employment that is hopefully better than what they had? Um, and we'll get into the, the, the salary based stuff in just a minute, just looking at time frames now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, it varies wildly depending on the student, on their background and where they live, you know, where they're trying to get a job and, you know, and how selective they're being in their job search process. And so, you know, we have students that get hired, you know, within a week of graduating and, you know, and then there's some that, you know, it may take them six months or so, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, unfortunately, we have some students that reach the end of it and, and uh, you know, decide that they're you know, maybe they, maybe they give up a couple months into their job search and you see a handful of people that, you know, that happens with them too. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it really depends on the market and, uh, you know, depends on the type of roles they're applying for. And so, you know, San Francisco has higher salaries, but it's, it's a little more competitive. You know, if you're trying to get a job at, you know, one of the big tech firms, you know, Google and Facebook and, you know, Twitter, Amazon, whatever, like it, you know, it can take, you know, months to go through those job search proper, sure. you know, that, that application process and all the vetting that they do and whether they even get back to you or not. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we, we, we find that students in, in, uh, in some of the, some of the smaller markets, um, tend to get hired a little faster, um, which was actually really interesting. And that was, um, uh, because so, uh, one of our, you know, one of the, one of the concerns we had when we were starting the company was, you know, okay, we're going to have this geographically distributed student body that's going to be all over the United States. Can we get somebody a job if they're in North Dakota? You know, can we get somebody in Montana a job that's, you know, out in, you know, the, some rural area? And, and, and you know, and what we found is, um, you know, sometimes those people have to relocate. Um, but, you know, when you have Kroger in Tennessee that, you know, needs to hire a bunch of developers or, you know, or, you know, or Sonic drive through like the, you know, the corporate headquarters, you know, and they sure. need to hire people. And they're, they're not as like sexy of companies, but they have this, this IT need and they have a headquarters that's maybe out in some, you know, smaller market and and uh you know and those companies are especially desperate for developer talent um, yeah and so it's and so we found that yeah people that are in you know north dakota get snapped up quicker because there just isn't a strong talent pipeline in that market and i particularly wouldn't want to move to uh one of the dakotas yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, if you're already there i mean why not right exactly yeah you love the place and you get a good developer job and yeah you won't make a you know the same salary you'd make in san francisco but your cost of living is sure lower Definitely. Um, so I saw, um, I think I saw a tweet today um, boasting some ridiculously high number from Lambda School for, <laughs> yeah. for somebody. I think I, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, 
think I saw that some somebody graduated from the Lambda School program for data science and got an offer for over 200,000. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That was a, yeah. Data. That's, that is exceptionally high. Um, that, that might be our, that's one of our highest salaries ever. Um, yeah. that's, that's not an average and that's, that was like a highlight. Um, it was but, definitely stirring up a lot of, uh, eyebrows, I guess. Yeah. You can say. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that sounds ridiculously promising. Nonetheless, if somebody was able to graduate from a code school and get uh, that kind of top to me, that's a top tier salary, a salary. And I'm, I'm in California and yeah. that's kind of the most expensive. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's phenomenal. And, you know, and, and so a lot of that again, depends on, you know, the background of the student, um, yeah. you know, so that person had been in data analysis for a while. And so, sure. um, you know, and with our, our um, data science track, we're more selective too with uh, the type of student that we accept. And so like, they have to have some yeah. kind of math background and, and, sure. uh, you know, very different from our web class, but, but yeah, I mean, it's a, the market is hungry for talent and it's, it's a high bar you have to get over. And that's what we tell our students. Like there is sure. so much demand, but you have to get above a very high bar. You know, there, yeah. there's no demand for, you know, below average or, you know, or just like, sure. you know, incompetent developers, there's zero demand for that. But if you can become competent and can do your job, well, there's, you know, there's so many opportunities and every company wants a good developer. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we, we have to light a fire under our students and make sure they're not complacent and that they don't feel yeah, entitled. Right. But but yeah, it's it's the market's crazy right now for it. So then in in more realistic scenarios, I guess you can say, uh in in a high demand kind of location, maybe like California or New York or one of these top tier cities, um what is a more realistic salary for somebody graduating from any of the code schools? Yeah, so I mean, if you, if you look at San Francisco um, or like the, just the Bay Area generally, sure. it's, um, you know, uh, averages, you know, are around 100K. Um, sure. And you'll see that from, you know, the, the two, you know, big ones that, you know, they do a good job out here. You know, you have Hack Reactor, Galvanize and, you know, and then us and uh, or, or an App Academy, like I'll, I'll do a pretty good job. And, um, and you know, 100K is around what we'll see in that market. For for us, our our median and our average across um, across the countries, our median 70K, and then our average, you know, floats within a couple hundred plus or minus of that. That changes, you know, that changes month by month. Um, sure. But, so that's around what you see. So like, if you're living in a smaller market somewhere, you know, 70K is around what you know what our what our average is. But you know, as you know, as a developer, I mean, that it climbs very quickly as you, you know, as you get experience, and it. it doesn't take very long to get over six figures in any market. If you're saying a new grad can graduate from a code school in in, in San Francisco or the Bay Area and, and land an intro level position at 100,000, that's I think that's pretty comparable to what you would get at a four year college as well in, in san francisco it is um, yeah and it and it invites a lot of i think like resentment a little bit when people you know kind of hear that like wait like you took this shortcut didn't take debt and you're in that good job like yeah um it, the way that i like to look at it is is a boot camp is great at producing you know just a, a good begin the good boot camps are great at producing just really hungry motivated people and 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 if you look at it as you know from like a the opportunity cost perspective. So like if we look at Lambda school and we'll say that someone, um, you know, they, uh, 
you know, they do the pre-course work, they get ready for Lambda school, they do the nine month program and, and, you know, and then they get a job after a couple of months. We'll say it takes a year for them to go through that educational process. They get a job making, you know, 70K uh, somewhere. And then you add on three years of work experience. Um, you know, they're probably going to get some raises, you know, throughout that process. And, and you know, they're going to learn so much on the job. And, and you compare that to, you know, going through the four year, you know, university degree, you know, and assuming they graduate on time. Um, it's, you know, there's so much great stuff that comes out of university. I don't want to be the stereotypical, you know, Silicon Valley university basher, but, but it's, um, but when you compare, you know, three years of work experience, you know, on top of, you know, the Lambda school experience versus a four-year degree, um, I, th I think you're going to have a hard time finding many CS grads that will be able to code as well as, as, as anyone who has three years of work experience as a developer. And, um, and I think that's where, where it gets really interesting. Like, okay, like a bootcamp grad may not be as strong as, as like a typical CS grad, but, you know, add on a few years of work experience and, you know, and see where they're at. And uh, it's it's an extremely effective use of time, um, you know, and especially from a cost perspective and looking at how you're, you know, going to minimize your own debt. I think that's a fair, a, a fair comparison. comparison. Um, I mean, again, I, I have no kind of uh, experience in the coding boot camp world. I'm just from the, the computer science uh, four-year degree world. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you if you graduate, you could even be the top of your class in, in computer science at some university. If you don't work to take those skills and apply it towards learning what's relevant, um, you've you've thrown it away. Um, versus somebody who's gone and they've worked hard at at gaining four years of experience in the workforce. Uh, yeah, they're probably going to have a huge edge on you. Um, yeah, and just it's just naturally because like when you're in the workforce, you you know you pick up those you know. You yeah. know, the relevant skills and you learn so much from being on the job and you're doing it all day every day graduate from a four-year degree program you you have the backbone the, the fundamentals of computer science it's just it's up to you to to take that and and take it where you need to go Absolutely. Um, for sure uh so that's kind of all I had uh, when it comes when it came to questions regarding the coding boot camps. Um, I mean, most of these questions were from me trying to just learn more about them because I don't know know too too much about this kind of aspect of of education. Um, so it's been very helpful. But do you have any kind of last minute words of wisdom that you want to give listeners of this podcast? Anything that you've seen? Anything that you can recommend? Anything at all? Yeah, I think. Um... You know, if, if you know somebody who is looking at, you know, doing a coding boot camp, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, like look at the outcomes and, you know, and, and, and you have to be a little skeptical of like self-published outcomes, because again, like there aren't third party or third parties that are out there, you know, auditing and verifying that, um, you know, in most instance, instances. Um, so it's uh yeah so you, so you need to be careful one of the best things you can do is is try to find alumni and graduates on you know on, on linkedin and on twitter find people who have had experiences um you know at a boot camp and, and you have to be careful too because like you know reviews that you see you know some will be positive or maybe paid and then and then, but then there's negative ones where you know there's there's a couple students that had a poor experience and so they're you know hugely incentivized to go and you know, put a lot of negative reviews. And so like, it's, you know, trying to talk to a bunch of graduates is, 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 you know, is the best way to get a, a good picture around whether or not, you know, that school is going to be a good experience. And that's, the, that's the best thing you can, best thing that you can trust. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that, that information, Ben. 
Um, and maybe we'll have you on another episode uh, to see where Lambda School is at uh, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, would would love to. I hope you found this episode of the podcast to be useful when it comes to coding boot camps versus, say, a traditional university degree. Like I said throughout the episode, I actually do have a computer science degree, a bachelor's of science. Um, I don't regret getting my computer science degree, but I do wish things were a little different and more in line with what you see at code boot camps or coding schools. If you enjoyed this episode and found it valuable, it would mean a lot to me if you went into iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it from and left it a five-star rating and possibly a review as well that said something nice about the episode. So that way listeners can get an idea of what they're getting themselves into with the episode and the show as a whole, um, because I definitely want to reach more listeners um, so that way they can learn about great things of technology and development. And that concludes episode number 28.